Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Hi, welcome back to The Coaching Show. This is Alex Terranova. Every time I, I am hosting this show without Christopher, as Christopher's not here, I almost say one of five other podcasts I host, and I have to be very intentional Um I'm so glad to be back here. I'm also so glad to be back here without Christopher, not because we don't love and adore Christopher. We do. Um, but because Craig is back, Craig Cassie is back as our co-host today. Craig, it's been, I don't know how long months. Only two, not that long. That's I mean, it's two months. Long two months. Without you, Alex, but <laughs> that's two months. Oh, that's months. There's, I can put an S on the end there. It's my summer. I've been enjoying having some time off and being out in the sun. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to see you with clothes on. It's a first. It does happen occasionally, believe it or not. <laughs> How have you been? Good. Really good. Uh, launching a new brand. So you mentioned the whole clothes thing. Coaching Naked is going to be brought to you in the near future. I do coach with clothes on if you're listening to the podcast. But we're talking about naked of the stories that hold us back more so so that's been exciting and then uh possibly planning a move to australia so those are things in my space these days (laughs) let me ask you about the coaching naked i know when you originally shared that with me a year or so ago it was going to be a youtube it's a youtube show right it was going to be a conversation is that still what it is or is it now expanded it's going to be the new brand. I decided it's a YouTube show currently. Yes, but it just feels like the more authentic expression of me as a professional in the business. For those who haven't heard me before, I happen to coach life, business, and sex and relationships. And there's so much overlap. But I find that for so many of us, we are just filled with bullshit we have been unwilling to take off. <laughs> so this is a way to bring some more levity and cheek to the coaching world to also help people break up with their bullshit and have a bit more of a pleasurable life. Life that feels so good, it's almost naughty. <laughs> Do we still get from the boardroom to the bedroom? You will get from the boardroom to the bedroom. <laughs> feels like a to say that this morning and a whole lot of other places too. <laughs> awesome. So you heard, I, I was going to share with everybody that you are an executive life coach, a business coach, and a sex coach. People can find you at Craig. I'm going to spell your last name for them. C-A-S-S-E-Y.com. Or you're on Instagram where if they want to see you without clothes, that's often not in an inappropriate way. It's, you know, it's, it's more like fun. I relate to you as someone who has a lot of fun without clothes on. Oh, I really do. And I recommend more people try it. (laughs) Yeah. Let's be clear. This is not a, like, go to his Instagram and it's an OnlyFans. It's not that. It's, it's just him living a great life. Usually shirtless. I, you know, I have a golf cart. You have no shirt. You know, we, we're both doing our best. And you have both in Tulum every now and again. So we have that over. Um, I love that. I, the only thing I really want to share, cause I, I, I've sh- I shared about it with Christopher the last time we recorded is the alchemy of men retreat that I'm hosting with Bob Conlon, who, you know, um, man, we, what's blowing my mind is when I started, I had avoided men's work for so long. And I'm having so much fun having these conversations with men about what they want. And it's, it is like lighting me up to hear powerful, masculine, strong men say, I just want to have a real conversation with another man where like I can share how I'm doing and how the the challenges and the stress and the difficulties I'm facing and have him go, you know, I get it or I understand or ask another question. And I thought I was, I had avoided, I want to say like hanging out with men for a long time because I was over, I don't want to talk about sport. Like how much sports can I talk about? How much women can I talk about? How much like, you know, money making can I talk about? Like they all felt like playing in the shallow end of the pool. Like, can we, can we go in the deep end where we can't reach the bottom and, and, and it's, you know, we have to actually do some work to, to float around there. Um, and the men who have been showing up and enrolling in the alchemy of men are men who I wouldn't have expected to be like, I want more of that too, that are saying, you know, I didn't get that modeled by my father or the men in my life. And I'm tired of living this, you know, kind of 
shallow, doled out life. So very cool. I cannot imagine two better people to lead that first off. So I can't wait to hear how it goes. But also how timely. I feel like in today's world, we see so many people tapping into their divine feminine, right? But where are the men who are outwardly expressing their divine masculine and also going deeper? I think we're really starved for that because just culturally, like your people said, they didn't get that. They didn't get mindful men approach to life or relationships. And it's time that we get playful and actually uncover that. We got so much, which is what Bob and I have. I think what we're doing, which is original, is we got so much men should be like this or men shouldn't be like this. And then it sort of flipped, right? Then it was like, it originally was like men should be tougher, stronger, work harder. And then it flipped and it's like men should be softer, more gentle, feel more. But they're both just two boxes. And I don't know about you, but when somebody's like, you should be like this or you shouldn't be like this, I want to like completely run away from both of them. And Bob and I have have really created like, why can't we let empower men to make those choices? Like, why can't men decide who they want to be, why they want to be it, for what purpose does it serve them? And based on the life they want to live and the legacy they want to live. I think that's really connecting with people. So if people, if anyone listening to this is interested, uh, thedreammason.com slash alchemy of men, you can also reach out to me and uh, happy to talk to you about it. You want to meet our guest who is maybe the first person on this podcast who we get to introduce by one name. I don't know this podcast has been around for like 20 years, but my hunch is that Christopher's never interviewed like a Beyonce or Madonna. Now our guest is not a musical superstar, but he's earned the right to have one name. Um, Our guest today. Oh man. I like, uh, where did it go? Where did it go? I just moved my, uh, my notes. Our guest today is a coaching supervisor and coaches coaches at a senior practitioner level uh, for for the EMCC. He's currently the head of faculty and leadership for Blend Associates, and he supports national health service executives, leaders, and teams through coaching, training, and supervision. As a mindfulness-based executive and agile mindset coach, she supports executives, leaders, and teams to stay calm and connected in complex situations using, I love this, the playful monk approach. which he developed. He started his work uh, uh, doing like technicals as a technical support manager. And this took him on a transformational journey from getting a degree in AI to a world explorer. We're going to have to dig into what a world explorer is. I'm picturing like Indiana Jones and spending 15 years as a Buddhist monk. That might be a first on this podcast too. We'll have to... Um, so he brings experience of solitude and dealing with uncertainty into a variety of industries from education and tech where he's coached founders of large startups, HR executives, and cybersecurity teams. Ama Renato, welcome to the coaching <laughs> show. Did I get it right? Did I say it you right? You did. You got it straight out. First go. That's really awesome. It's <laughs> it's so lovely to be with you both. And just listening to this uh, beautiful introduction, the three men here, it, it's just so powerful. I, I also run a men's group and have done for, uh, for many years. And I just said, what what you're saying is just so powerful and so important, uh, particularly at this time where, you know, the the, the role of elders uh, is so important, you know, that we can help each other grow and have these deep conversations. So uh, thank you for that, for that lovely introduction. Well, just because you tapped in on that. So I'm just curious, like you just, and you shared, you run a men's group. What do you, what's the experience you've had? Oh, it's been it's been, men. I, I, it's been really phenomenal for me. I, I've run um, a men's group every week through the whole of lockdown remotely. So most of the people that I know, I'm English. I live in the Netherlands, and so I've been working remotely. And um, and you know, we've we've had about you know ten ten men online every week. You know, going through all the ups and downs, the solitude, the relational problems, the work issues. You know, um, they're they're founders of companies you know, their other coaches. And it's just been a really, uh, I would say the word bonding experience, you know, of really being able to go deep because of the that, the lockdown, you know, people were forced into really exploring that. And most of these uh, men had already been on retreats with me before. So we were really able to dive deep into like these issues, sexuality, 
you know, work-related issues. Uh, and just, you know, and particularly in this group, we had a mixture of men from like, say, mid twenties, mid, yeah, mid twenties, right up to 17, 18. So we really, uh, an experience of also having, um, elders in the group and what, what that does and that, and that empowerment that also <clears throat> the sense of that maturing as a man, you know, through all those different phases and what that requires. And it, it, it I felt so privileged, so privileged to be part of, part of that journey. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's absolutely, uh, fantastic work really, uh, and so needed. How do we fully become masculine, you know? And uh, that's not to get into the whole gender stuff, but just how do we find ourselves, you know? Um, Craig was saying about this whole sense of naked, and it really is it is that nakedness. You know, how, how, how do we really see ourselves clearly and see each other? Not, not to try and fix each other or get it right or do the right thing, but just really notice, you know, how are we? How are we together? Uh, and and supporting one another, really. Yeah, it's yeah. so powerful. As two people, we trend towards the earlier age demographic you mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> Alex is younger. Are there any golden nuggets you can share that you feel that elders gave that we'd all benefit from hearing? Oh, totally. There's such a lack of ritual elder leadership in on this planet. Where do you find it? So when it, when you meet elders that have really done their work, and are willing to share that and honour and honour young men, and help them be seen. So I've done quite a few um, rituals with uh, with young youngish men, yeah, to to help them flourish. Both online, surprisingly, it worked online. I mean, I never thought it would, but it did. We we were able to do that online. Of really, I would use the word blessing blessing these young, you know, men to really come forth. And as you said, you know, a lot of us haven't had the fathers that we'd like through no fault of their own, you know, no fault of our own, but how can we, you know, and so these elders do that. They, they, they really did provide that. It was um, extraordinary. And I've seen the results of that. I've seen what that's done in terms of life direction, in terms of jobs and in terms of satisfaction in, in, in their own lives as men, you know, and, and particularly with families, because, you know, if you've got, you, you, you know, you're just experiencing a few kids, you know, and you meet an elder that's already had two or three kids, that makes a really big difference. They say, oh yeah, you know, and this is what we did. What, what are you doing? You know? And so that's, that's extraordinary really. And, you know, my, and in my executive coaching, I see completely the opposite of that, the lone leader, you know, the, the person has got no support, yeah. not even any family support, you know, particularly if they're in another country. And how, how, where do they find that? You know, where is that co-created? Do we, you know, does that happen at work? Well, like you say, a lot of the conversations can be around, uh, uh, you know, topics that, you know, in the end don't provide that source of nourishment. They don't offer that connection. They're a way of connecting, but how can we offer spaces which really allow us to ask these, I would say, existential questions, you know, who am I? Why am I here? You know, these, these are can be really frightening things to explore, but yet completely empowering once one gets a sort of grip and understanding of what that means. I, I love that piece about the elders. Like I we miss out on the both that how the young and the and the older together can both provide yes. each other. Right. And like, oh, there, I think absolutely. there was absolutely there was a time where in elders were really regarded and revered. And it was like everybody there was a hierarchy. And then we've almost Correct. flipped it, especially in Western cultures where we've kind of disregarded elders. Yes. And when we can put them together to see like the wisdom that comes with having been here, right, simply having lived and and then the freshness that comes with new thoughts and new ideas. Absolutely. And, and getting those both, I thanks for sharing this because it's it's just making me excited. Um, it's making me, you know, one of the things that I had one of my commitments in building a men's retreat was to find men of all different walks of life, different races, you know, like different upbringings in terms of money, like the socioeconomic, uh, you know, cultural. And we've so far in the building of it, we've gotten that. But now I'm listening to you, and I just wrote down, oh my god, we need to make sure we get 
some now we like our ranges has been like from 30 to like 45 so far the people that have signed up but i'm like oh man we need to go find some somebody in their 60s or 70s or you know however yeah and get them which is something i did not even think about yeah I, I when I was a monk, a lot of my experience about how I am as a coach now and a coach supervisor was I ran uh, family camps, and these are uh, family camps were in the monastery. They had about 80, 80 to one hundred people, and they were run over a week, and they were intergenerational. You see, so they had kids, uh, the mothers and the fathers, and then also sometimes grandparents. So you had this whole experience and very again different cultures, different attitudes to parenting, different styles of parenting different ways of teenagers being the children being. And it was a really great learning for me, you know, to be, you know, when you, when you hold that type of space, what do you need to bring to that? So that sense of uh, really, yeah, letting those, um, those generations really mix, you know, a parent from another, from one family speaking to the child of another one or the grandparent, it just, yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It feels like a, it takes a whole village kind of narrative, but I think we also have. <laughs> dropped off in recent years yes that's the idea of like communal care it makes it easier when you're allowed to let in so much support from others exactly so many people say no or we resist it it. yeah we resist it yeah i i was running um, a a retreat for coaches um a day a day workshop and uh, that that was one of the themes that come up around why why do we resist support you know what why is that you know one of one of the things that I really learned as a monk was actually how to receive support. You know, how, how do you really let it in? You know, when I ran my first family camp, actually I I damaged myself so much. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't think, you know, a Buddhist monk would get stressed, but my first family camp, I was really stressed because I had an old mindset, you know, and I was thinking in old ways. I was, you know, still uh, learning about mindfulness and self-awareness and, uh, by really seeing how that all worked out, you know, then I could get really perspective on on all of that and see that, you know, really receiving support, letting people in is so important. You know, and that's also sort of the role of, the, you know, uh, the coaching supervision, you know, for coaches as well is to provide that support, an external voice where you can ask those questions, you know, uh, bringing up those worries or those ethical concerns. Why Why does that happen? But to let that in, you know, does that, you know, like if you have coaching supervision, does that mean that you're not any good as a coach? Well, no, you know, but the idea that can go round in one's mind. Oh, yeah. You know, like if I say that, then actually I'm not. But I've been in supervision since I was a monk, actually. So that's I've been in supervision for nearly 20 years. And uh, it's it's been a phenomenal uh, amount of learning, you know, because you just can't know everything. You know, it's just not possible, you know. So, you know, that whole sense of exploring the dilemmas, exploring the the worries, the concerns of, you know, the way that I was looking after such a large group of people, you know, and then I looked after teenagers and then I went across countries. So I taught in Malaysia and Indonesia, you know, and Australia, you know, and they just thought, okay, so they're all different cultural contexts, you know. So I can't know everything about the culture of Australia. So having a supervisor in Australia was fantastic. It just really, it helped me to integrate what I knew, but also, you know, get some perspective on, is it me? Is it culture? Is it the situation? Is it where, where I am? I was in Perth, Australia, which is a very beautiful place. Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to hear more about the transition from monk to not monk. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm I sure. I don't know how to say That's it. all right. I, and I know, I'm sure there's a really long story about why you became a monk and those things. I th- and yeah, I don't yeah, know that can. we, there's so much on what we want to dive into, but I would love to hear like, how does one go from being a monk for 12 years and yeah. then deciding they're going to leave that? Yes. What was that? that yeah, it's a, it's really, it's a very good question. And you're right. You can find other podcasts about my, my starting journey, but the, the, the return trip is very interesting, which is that I, I, I was living in Australia and I was going there for teaching every year, uh, every year over a three or four year period. And, um, I was given the opportunity to do a six week retreat in the outback of Australia. So I was living, I stayed in a, in a, somebody gave me a very funky mobile home with solar panels and it was on the edge of the Australian outback. 
and it was very hot. It was probably 40 degrees. And uh, so when, you, when you've been teaching for six months straight and you go into a six-week uh, silent retreat where you're by yourself, it's like if you just pull the handle and just say, I'm going to go and retreat, actually it's, a, it's too much of a shock to the system. So I learned how to sort of wind myself down. I gave myself a week. And during that week, I read a few books. They were about um, uh, adult development and community. And I woke up one morning with this, um, what I would call clarity. And that point of clarity was, I'm not no longer a monk. And uh, I've learned to really trust that. So that's not a thinking process. And it's not a rational decision, and nor is it intuition. It's, it's a sense of absolute knowing. And when you know that point for yourself, you know that you can trust it. So what I did was I did the opposite. I distrusted it. For the rest of the six weeks, I doubted it because I was in a very good position now. I actually had everything I wanted in terms of material comforts and support and programs and everything, really. So I just kept doubting it for that period. And I went back to where I was staying and I looked at that place, which is also very beautiful out in the Australian bush on the edge of the edge of Perth. And I said, you're going to give all this up. And the answer was yes, as it was when I first woke up that morning. And I've trusted that. And that's the same intention that I came in with the monastery, and it's the same intention that I follow with my life now. And that's why, I, in a way, help my clients to learn to see and trust. That in some ways, you could call it clarity, you could call it knowing. You know, talk about wisdom, you can call it wisdom, but it's a, it's, a, it's a absolute no doubt. Even though I doubted it, you know, and so I've been working in Australia. Uh, Australia, Australia culturally had more uh, openness towards being a monk, and so I could run all these programs. I was actually working in a lot of businesses there, and already worked with uh, a lot of executives and computer companies and governments and all that as a monk. And so the transition actually from being a monk, disrobing—it's called stop taking off your fort robes. I wore robes, and I lived in a very strict tradition, so I didn't handle money, no sex, nothing, no dancing, singing. Very strict tradition. And so, but actually, the transition to moving towards an executive coach was not that difficult because I'd already been working one to one with people for some time as a monk. Um, but of course, I I didn't know the price of things. I didn't know how to run a business really. Uh, so I had to learn a lot of things on the go and make quite a lot of mistakes uh, in that in that transition. You know, I'm taken back by the. I think six weeks of resisting and then leaning into a knowing is quite a short time span. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just less practiced than you are. I do not have a background as a monk. I've read books by monks, but I've never been one. But I find for a lot of my clients, even myself, like this is a year and really challenging to listen to the knowing and just act without reason. Yeah. I wouldn't say, you know, just reckless abandon, but sometimes it really does feel like abandoning a lot of what you know, a lot of what you've created to quote unquote be for you or to be you. Yes. And I'm curious for someone who right now, I feel like I'm deep in that process of trying not to resist, but finding myself resisting my knowing uh, what recommendations you might have. Well, I would say, you know, the play part of Playful Monk is is play. And that, that's really experimenting. And in, in the agile world, in the technical world, they call it uh, safe to fail. So safe, to, it's actually safe to fail. So it's okay to, and that's the experimentation. So it's okay to, to really see what it's like to play around with it. So if, if you don't want to take the big jump, you know, cause that's not absolutely clear, then wait, you know, but also experiment, do little experiments and just see what that feels like. What's that like? You know, does that feel okay? You know, and then you can get a sense for it. You know, when I said I was done a six-week retreat, you know, I've been meditating for 10, for, you know, 20 years before that already. I've done loads of retreats. I've done, you know, and I've done a lot longer periods. I've done three-month silent retreats as well. So, you know, I had a lot of experience before I did that. You know, so those are the micro movements. So you tell a story, you say, oh, well, you know, you did that. But there's all the history that goes behind it, all the things that didn't go right, all the experiments that I tried that also didn't quite work out, you know. Um, but that idea of keep learning from all those things, it allows you to build that sort of resilience. And that resilience is community-based, not, not individually-based. 
So what is your support network like? What you know, how can they support that? When I when I said I was going to disrobe, I was I, I was supporting hundreds of people, right? So when I disrobed, I had a public disrobal. That means people were invited to watch me disrobe. There was probably about uh, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 people there. So they witnessed that. And that was that was a collective sort of ritual, both for myself and for them, but also part of that support that actually not going through it alone. So where do you find also, where do you find that support? Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. Does that, does that make sense to you? Oh, totally. I'm just milling over it. I think that's a great piece of gold. And the... One of the gaps I experienced in my life is, you know, from like my automatics, I'd love to go it alone and I build up teams and support. But when I take a big leap, I find that I, uh, I leap without the community that yeah. I built. Almost yeah. like my communities are based on my current plateaus or thresholds. And then I, I feel like there's, uh, there's probably a place to look at either like bringing them with me or even creating a community sufficient to support me for when I take that leap. Exactly. That's the image I just had in my head right now as you were speaking. It's like you can sort of leap backwards, if you like, lean into, or you can go forward and lean into that, whatever that next group is. And actually, that's what I did as a monk. So when I left, I lived in the monastery for 10 years, which was in a way a beautiful time, but I wanted to go freelance, right? And as a as a monk in the tradition I was, there was no support. So there's no money, nothing. You take your begging bowl and that's it. You go. You have no support from anybody. And and that was my leap forward was going to Malaysia. So there was people out there that wanted to support me. And then the next leap forward was going to Australia. And they really wanted to support me. I mean, they, they you know, and so I set up a group and then I, I fell into that situation. So it's a really good, uh, it's a it's a really good way of exploring this, and that that's why playing around with these things and speaking them out is so important. That's what I've found. Let's talk about the playful monk approach. Yeah. So right. Okay. Yeah. Most people, I'm sure, listening to this don't know what that is, right? They have no, some ideas when no. just when you say the playful monk, it yeah. oh, sounds like an app. Um, <laughs> it like, could be. Right? It sounds like a great app. Um, uh, um, so, but yeah, what is what is what is the playful monk approach? Okay, so I, I would say there's these two things: play and monk. So it's the mindset of a monk. Yeah. And when I use the word monk, I use that without gender. I, I, I consider it, you know, the mind of a monastic. And that mind of a monastic is, you could say, an agile uh, mindset, a growth mindset, a systemic, a systems leader, a system complexity mindset is the ability to observe and witness complexity, be able to respond to it. And that play element is so important because otherwise, when you just follow things rigidly, yeah, uh, there's no room for movement. But when you look at kids, 
kids just play to learn. That's actually the research says play is the best place to learn. You know, if, if you, you know, I work as a facilitator as well. And whenever you bring play into the room, it always goes exponential. So that's why I brought these two things to do. And that was my experience of living in the monastery. And so I, when I ran these family camps, people say, kept saying, you know, what do you do? What do you do, Amanato? Why are these, why are these camps so successful? Why do parents now want to come to them? Why do young people want to do, you know, and it just went on and on and on. And then when I, when I look back at it, I saw these three elements. So the first element I saw was co-explore, which is actually what we've been doing now. We've been exploring together. You know, we come into a relationship. And then the second one is play. Yeah, is to make it, is this place of learning through embodiment, through the body. Yeah. And then when you bring uh, um, co-exploration and play together, actually what you get is you get change and you get it at a really deep level. And so what I found was you really need love, you know, and that's a big word, you know, drop the L word, love. But that's this idea of kindness for yourself, you know, and that can be turned into compassion for others, self-compassion and compassion for others. And, of course, love is about abundance. When you feel full of love, you want to give, you want to share. And when you feel lack of love, you know, you hold on. But but first, in this in this sort of approach, it's really to be kind to oneself so that one can have that sense of abundance. So that's how it started off at the family camp. And then I started working with executives and I just felt there was a few other things missing. And what, what the thing that I noticed working with executives is their, their lack of presence, their, their ability to be with any situation. So when you bring Explore, Play, Love together, actually what that does is that brings presence, the ability to stay with any situation. Yeah. And through presence, what you get is you get connection. And usually as a monk, I, I learned through inner connection yeah, to get outer connection. In the business world, it seems it starts with outer connection, you know, working in the business world. So that, and then you have to find out that to be effective like that, you really need inner connection. You need to know, understand yourself better. And, and once you understand that, that, that sense of connection is actually interdependent. It's not just you, it's with everything. That's where you find peace. That's, and that's where the end of the game is. And for those, those of my clients that really want to go there, then we explore peace. I love that piece that you gave us the access to inner connection to get the outer or the outer to get the inner. That yeah. I would have, I almost would have expected you to say like, not you, but somebody who comes from, you know, being a monk, like to say that it's, it's inner to get the outer and that's the way versus they both are, they're just different ways, but they both exist they at the same time. Exactly, exactly. And actually, as a monk, I worked on the outer as well. You know, this whole, when I ran these family camps, that was all outer, that was like serving people, you know, and so the monastery I lived in wasn't all meditation, although we did a three month retreat every year. Actually, uh, the rest of the year, we were serving uh, the community, you know, we were painting and decorating and talking amongst ourselves and supporting the you know, the, the events that came. So you had to learn also how the outer works. You know, I mean, I was a bit remote from knowing shop prices and some of the practicals, but as you got lived in the monastery longer, that came in as well. The monastery was a million pound business, you know, million pound charity, should I say. But, uh, you know, you needed also to be savvy with those things. Um, uh, but the world is so out of focus. You know, the business world is very out of focus. We're always looking outwards, you know, and yet all the research says it's inwards to get the results that, you know, we're looking for. It's not, you know, and in a way that's a systemic. So it's a, you have to see how the system works. If you don't know what you're, go on, sorry. Still saying, is even true in relationships? I think that they're, external focus for sure but i find that in a lot of healing circles or spaces there's a tendency for people to want to be so internal that they forget that they can also learn and grow by being actively in relationship with the external but there's a difference there there's the between trying to all use the external and then tapping into the external already having an internal foundation or connection that kind of awareness it's almost internal work allows them to be softer so they can the external and learn as opposed to just 
hit their head against a wall. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then at some point, all that melts. And we, we see, we, we go back to the basics of connection and we are connected to each other. But it's good to start like that. It's, it's important, you know, that we see that there is an inner world and there is an outer world, you know. Uh, yeah, because also so much can be focused, you know. Oh, well, we should all just, you know, look at our navels and look at the fluff in our navels, you know, sit and meditate and all the rest of the other things. But uh, I see it much more in, in action, you know. How, how can you bring your mindfulness, awareness, practice out into daily life, you know, in the uh, busyness of the office or your business of your relationship? It's, uh, it's really important. How, how are you seeing, you know, when you bring the, the Playful Monk programs and approach yeah. to very A-type driven, you know, let's say like the typical traditional capitalistic kind of businessman or, or company, right? Rather yeah. not necessarily man, man or woman. Um, what kind of response are you like, like, what's the response you get initially from them? And, and I'm curious how you kind of crack, like break into and get them to see the opportunity. Yeah. So one of the beauties of, of the monk lifestyle is that you always start with what you got, what's, what's in front of you. Uh, it, it doesn't say, uh, you know, go, go and get enlightened or something like that. It just says, this is where you are. So this is where they are. So I don't have to start with that. You know, I, I like, so I just meet them where they are. I don't need, you know, like, so I don't have to do mindfulness or I don't have to talk, you know, I don't, I only speak about like Buddhism when I'm invited. So I just start where they are. And uh, I remember one, one person I'm coaching at the moment, you know, they said, uh, oh, you know, when I thought I was going to be coached by a monk, I thought, oh no, <laughs> it's going to, you know, it's going to be terrible. And then, uh, and then uh, six months later, you know, all she talks about is that uh, she's being uh, coached by, you know, an ex-Buddhist monk. And that was just really starting with, with where they were, you know, and they've transitioned into a very uh, high and executive role, which require, you know, really requires them to be on the ball. And they can see by doing this, the foundational work that we did, which was a bit like what Casey was saying, which is staying in, oh, sorry, Craig, excuse me, staying in relationship, um, uh, that, that was the foundation of which we could explore other things. You know, I wasn't trying to push my ideas of this, that, and the other, but actually really listen, you know, and that, and that's such a, such a gift, you know, because then they can see how they can listen and then they can do that with all their peers and their teams and all the rest of it. And then that has a knock on effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, that's what I do. The other thing as well is that my 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 filter mechanism is playful monk, so I also use that to determine uh, who would also work with me. So a lot of people come to me because of my monk experience, um, uh, but those that that like a challenge also do as well. Yeah, I love that piece. It was so. Um... So like reassuring and calming the idea. And we, I think co- as coaches, we talk about it all the time. Like you need to meet people where they are, but to hear the way you just said, um, we start here, right? We start right yeah. here. And I think as, as uh, Craig, I don't know if you have this sometimes, you know, we get all different kinds of clients and it doesn't matter how I'm air quoting successful they are. They come in at different points in terms of their their emotional availability, their uh, their emotional intelligence, and sometimes I think it's one of the most challenging things as a coach is, is to have like let's say you have eight clients, they're all in totally different places, and you have to show up as a coach and meet each of them, and you can't compare them to each other, right? Oh, this person should be here, or that person should be there, and it's it's okay when somebody's going at a very slow speed and someone else is going at a very fast speed, right? Like, like for their yeah. transformation or their, their business or whatever. Um, it was just nice. It was just really nice to hear you say that I'm, I'm picturing a client really right now where I'm like, he's just, he's just not there. Right. He just have to just like, he, we're at like the stage where I have to hold his hand across the street still. 
Yeah. He can't, you know, I can't let him go and like look both ways. Not because I don't trust him. Like I do. He doesn't, he's not trusting himself yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that's a developmental aspect of coaching, you know, um, really. And, and to really allow, allow yourself to, to, uh, to have that. I was also thinking about, you know, a lot of my clients I work with are very fast thinking, you know, they're super intelligent and creative. And a lot of that requires also the the slowing down bit, you know, so being with somebody and letting letting them just uh, see how that is to be that fast, that creative, that intelligent. What the, What's the impact of that? You know, it works both ways. You know, the, the person that doesn't develop so fast, yeah, or the person that's super creative, how do we how do we create that space for them to feel really, you know, not judged, non-judgmental? And what do we do with our own thoughts as coaches, you know, when that when that comes up in our in our minds? Yeah. I mean, I have none of those thoughts ever, as I also tell you. I just always a being of languid water, ready to receive people. But no, for me, I find <laughs> probably one of the things that still pops up as like a trigger with certain clients for me because I am a sprinter by trade. I was yeah. a sprinter in college. Like the way that I moved through life is to go as fast as I could to get to the end goal. We know there are consequences to that, right? Burnout fits at my best. Now I'm sitting with stillness, but I find that I attract a lot of clients who also energetically want to sprint towards the goals. And yeah. I think that's since I'm really taking in right now is Hey, like there is no right speed, but sometimes the lesson is actually found in going slow. And we realize yeah. the finish line we were racing towards, A, it's not the one that we wanted, or B, we were meant to have it as an idea to inspire us to do something, but mm-hmm. the actual book is actually the gateway to realizing where we actually want to go. So yes. it's in this mess that I find stillness is accessible, but the yeah. ego definitely still is out to play some days and says we should really get clients to where they want to go faster yeah as opposed to enrolling them in being with learning wherever it appears yes otherwise we can tend to get into rescue mode when when the ego takes over in that way and then we're doing the coaching for them rather than letting them uh, uh, struggle, which is, which is totally okay. It's okay to struggle. You know, it's also okay as a coach to struggle with, the with, with where that is, you know, that, you know, so it's a, it's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of people should be, should's not really the right word, but what kind of people could be, should be, uh, would you love to have reaching out to you right now to work with? Oh, that's a really good question. So I would say, you know, any of those people that are, you know, particularly executives, leaders that really want a transformational change, you know, that there are these quick thinking, creative, innovative tech that really want to do deep work. And, the, and, and in the end, they really want to bring peace into their lives, both, both personally and professionally, you know, deep peace. Yeah. And then, so they should, should they go to the playfulmonk.net? Yeah, playfulmonk.net. They'll find me there. They can find a discovery session and then we, we can chat. Yeah. I always, I always love to meet people and just start through that chat, just like we've been doing now. You can get, get a good sense of each other. Does it work? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, so easy to remember, right? Like, I'm like Very easy. Domain name. Um, <laughs> Is there, you know, we always, I, I don't know if Craig, do you have anything that you want to, I, I want to make sure we we give him the last word. I was just going to say another plug for you. Uh, on the playfulmonk.net website, there's a list of free resources, one of which is this body scan uh, video with audio that you can watch. That's actually like a guided meditation. And if there's one thing that's really supported me in taking the leaps in business that also freak out my nervous system, it's the ability to have body scans be done regularly on my owner with support. So if you're someone out there who wants an extra taste after the podcast of the magic that he offers, please check out the free B section on his website for the body scan. There's some additional talks and videos he, he filmed, you know, during your time as a monk. I think that one would really be of service to many people out there. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I like to finish off where we started with a hug and uh, I just want to just finish with a hug. So 
it's a short story, which is that when I stopped being a monk, I wanted to do a social experiment. And at that time, uh, free hugs was just getting, just starting. So actually, at the 10 days after I disrobed, I went to Perth in this shopping centre and I did a blindfold hug. And uh, actually, that's on YouTube. You can find me doing that. And I met, I, I hugged maybe, I don't know, three or 400 people during that day. I did it from morning to evening. And uh, it was an incredibly powerful experience for myself um, that I, I didn't see any of the people. I only saw them, you know, uh, somebody videoed it. But, you know, as a monk, you don't touch women. And that was the first time after a 15-year period where I really touched women up, you know, uh, and just received people in that way. And it was such a such a beautiful experience of how kind people were to me. You know, they how slowly they come up. Hardly anybody really tried to 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 hurt me or do anything like that at all so it's just that whole sense of kindness really so you can find that on youtube as well yeah. so i just want to be clear so for you you were blindfolded and you were basically just standing and yeah uh, approach you and hug you yeah yeah it had said a sign it's on it it said a sign uh um uh um oh i forgot what it says on it, it says something like yeah give us a free hug or something like that yeah and uh, it's in it's in the video, but it it, it was a really it, I often use it. I still use this video when I give uh, workshops because it's such a powerful video about this whole sense of you know naked and awareness and trust. Mm. You know, like I like that whole switch going from wearing robes to jeans and a t-shirt and just being really open to the experience of what that's like. Yeah, my whole body was vibrating and shaking and everything after that I and mean, yeah it was a really beautiful experience i just i just found it i was like oh, okay I, great you'd be surprised in the actually a lot of videos of monks hugging people yeah. blindfolded <laughs> this is not a <laughs> no you may have been the first but this is this is i did not know there was a uh a whole category yeah. on youtube of monks blindfolded hugging it seems like a, <laughs> i'm like sitting here i'm like this is a genre this is a uh, um Oh, but that's such a, you know, I, I know people who have gone out and done like hugs who would just go out and yeah. like they have a sign and they're like free hugs. Um, but doing it blindfolded is a whole nother, right. In a public space. Yeah. And um, obviously there was somebody with you cause somebody's filming it, but still. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, well, I think that's the point of support that we were talking about before that I wasn't prepared to do it alone. I wanted to do it with support. And then the other thing is, if you really look at the video, you'll see you'll see the tension in my bid, in my body. The first uh, maybe uh, one minute, where I, where I'm just settling in, you know. And there's that whole sense of apprehension and fear, and you can really see me. And I'm holding my arms very stiff. And then there's a certain point where I just, you know, that whole sense of training where I come back to the inner connection, and then settle. And then just this ability to receive life as it is. Mm. So if people want to watch this, I, I, I'll i just give them a little more. If you look at, if you go onto YouTube and I think you type in, I trust you. Do you trust me? Oh, that's it. Yeah. that's, yeah. that's and, then, and then it has, your, I'm going to spell your name for people. So it's easier. For oh, yeah. A-M-A-R-A-N-A-T-H-O. Yeah. And you'll find it on, on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Very cool. Um, anywhere else that people can find anything else about you that we should tell them before we let you go? Uh, no, I think that's that's really good. You can find me on LinkedIn. I post regularly near every Wednesday. Um, you'll find a post from me on different themes. So actually this this morning I posted about wisdom. Uh, and uh, yeah, usually there's uh, lots of comments and likes and other people, other coaches also comment. So reading the comments is also a really good way of learning uh, about the theme that I'm talking about. Yeah. A lot of them are very reflective pieces about how I respond to life and through coaching supervision or my work with blend in England. Yeah. Awesome. I'm a Renato. Did I say it right again? You did. Awesome. Awesome. Growing. I'm transforming. I don't know that's about me, but name anxiety is like a thing that I, I, I like, uh, even if your name was, you know, Craig, it doesn't, yeah. you know, it's, it's something I, I get in my head about, I'm going to get it wrong. And so when somebody brings something that isn't, you know, familiar, yes, it really triggers that. So I, uh, I, I you know, 
Um, so I'm glad I, did show. <laughs> I stepped out of my comfort zone. Uh, thank you for being here with us. Thank uh, you. Thank you for what you do in the world, uh, the difference you make, the people you impact, um, for the gifts of whatever, you know, this, this hug experience, the impact that you would have had. I know it's not like something you just did, but the impact you would have had on people when you did it. I'm sure there were lives changed beyond yours in that moment. Um, please, listeners, check out uh, the Playful Monk. It's, is it the Playful Monk or Playful, playful Monk? Playfulmonk.net. Playfulmonk.net. Playful Monk. Yeah. And check out this video on YouTube. Thank you both. It's been an absolute, really pleasure to be with you both. Really, very nourishing. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And Craig. It's nice to it's- see you again. It's been uh, great to see you too. And rather, I will be following you on LinkedIn so you can look for me in your comment section soon. And okay, great. The future again. Yeah, it's very lovely. A very nice format. Thank you for bringing yourself. And very listeners, nice. listeners, if you want to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal Amaranto's words, but if you want to disrobe with Craig and coach naked, Remember, not actual coaching naked, but naked of your <laughs> stories and your myths and your ideas. You can go to craigcassie.com, C-A-S-S-E-Y. You can also find Craig on Instagram at Craig Cassie Jr. Craig, you want to say anything before we wrap up for the day? Just sending y'all a big hug. would love to connect online to you. I post about relationships and business and really just how to create a life that is pleasurable, whether in your business or at home. Uh, if you want to reach out about that, hit me up. Got a mastermind launching in a month to help entrepreneurs heal and actually create that kind of pleasure on the regular, even with systems and support. Uh, but it's been such a treat to be here with all of you today. So thank you. Thank you so very much. And I am Alex Terranova. You can find more about me at thedreammason.com. The Alchemy of Men Retreat is October 2022. If you're interested in, you know, freeing yourself up as a man, creating more freedom, ease, peace, joy, uh, I invite you to check that out. And if you're a single person listening to this, your Love Adventure 2.0 is launching um, in August, August 2022. So you can go to yourloveadventure.com and have a whole new way to approach love and dating and relationships in a way that is fun and adventurous. This is The Coaching Show. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you again next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.